بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم لا حول ولا قوت الا بالله العلی العظیم الحمد لله رب العالمین و صلی الله علی سیدنا محمد و آله الطیبین الطاهرین اللهم اخرجنی من ظلمات الوهم و اکرمنی بنور الفهم اللهم افتح علینا ابواب رحمتک منشر علینا خزائن علومک برحمتک یا ارحم الراحمین we continue our discussion about the third argument for the existence of God. We already explained the nature of this argument, which is based on two concepts, wujub and imkan, necessity and contingency. So we said that if we consider the relation between wujud existence or being and any thing that you imagine there can be one of the three relations either existence is necessary for it or existence is impossible for it or existence is neither necessary nor impossible which we call al-imkan which is contingency or you can say if the relation between something and existence is impossible it means that it cannot exist okay it is it's impossible to exist then such thing cannot be seen, cannot be found, yeah? Because you say it's impossible to exist. So, when we are talking about what exists in the world, the third option, which is impossibility, has to be left aside, yeah? Because when we are talking about the things that exist, it means that the relation was not impossibility, okay? So, everything that you imagine can have one of the three possibilities or options but everything that exists can only have two options either it is necessary to exist or it is contingent is it clear you cannot say there is something that exists but it is impossible to exist this is contradiction so when it comes to the things that exist when you look at the beings in the world there are two possibilities Logically, only two possibilities. One is to say that this is necessarily being there. Another is to say it could be there and it could be not there, but now the fact is that it is there, which is MCON contingency. Okay? So now, after being familiarized with this concept, now the question is among the things that exist, is there any wajibul wujud? Is there anything that has to exist, that necessarily exists? Or everything that exists is contingent. Everything that exists is possible to be there and possible not to be there. Is mumkinul wujud. Those who believe in God, they say there must be at least one necessary being 
Why I'm saying at least, because at the moment we are not talking about Tawheed. Tawheed, we will talk about it later. At the moment, our concern is that there must be a necessary being. Whether it can be two or cannot be two, we will discuss later. But those who don't believe in God, they say, no, everything is contingent being. Everything could be there and also could be not there. So why they are there? It's for an external reason. There is nothing inside them that determines their existence. This desk, this microphone, this, I don't know, laptop, they exist, but they also may not exist. There is nothing wrong if we imagine that they don't exist. There was a time that they didn't exist. There would be a time that they are not going to exist again. So there is nothing in them that makes it necessary for them to be there. Okay? So those who don't believe in God, they say everything in the world is like this. They are there, but not because there is anything in their essence that determines that they must be there. It's because of an external factor, which we call cause, illa. Illa, cause. So certain things come together and when the cause is completed, they come into existence. When the cause is not there, they will cease to exist. Okay? So those who don't believe in God, they say everything in this world is an effect, is ma'lul, depending on a cause. Okay, this is the scenario. Now, what we say is this. We say, if everything in this world is contingent and for its existence depends on something else, what about that thing, which is the cause for it? Okay, if A is brought into existence by A, what about A? Is A also contingent or necessary? If you say A is necessary, you say Alhamdulillah. So you accepted that there is something which is necessary. If you say A is created by B, and B itself is also created by C, because B was also not necessary. So you say, what about C? If you say C is necessary, you say, okay. If you say even C is not necessary and it's created by D, so we say, then in the end of the day, you have to reach a point that would be self-subsistent, would not depend on another thing. Because this cannot go endlessly back. Okay? This is what we call tasalsul. It cannot go back endlessly. Because if everything depends on another thing, and that depends on another thing, and this goes infinitely, so nothing comes to existence. Like a group of people, for example, a classic example in books is if there are two armies and are ready to start a war. But when the first soldier is asked to start, he says, I don't start unless the second starts. So it means that I depend on the second. And the second says, I depend on the third. And the third says, I depend on the fourth. And the fourth says, I depend on the fifth. If this goes like this, infinitely so no one is going to do anything so it must reach a point that someone says 
I will start without depending on anyone else. Is it clear? So you cannot say A is caused by B, B by C, C by D, D by E, and it goes like this forever. This cannot happen. Or if you say A by B, B by C, C by D, but then D, D again by A. This is a vicious circle. Because it means that E has depended on itself. E was not there, was brought into existence by B. But then how D at the end is dependent on A, it means something which was not there, <laughs> was there. So this is what we call in Arabic, something to precede itself. This is impossible. So at the end, they have to accept that there is something that is wajibul wujud, something that does not depend on another thing, something that in itself has the principle for existence, it doesn't depend on anything outside. Okay? Other than wajibul wujud, everything else would be needy. There is another way of talking about this, which is very similar, but you can look at everything as a whole. We say, okay, you say in this world, Everything is contingent. Everything is mumkinul wujud. So, when we ask about A, you say it depends on B. And when we say B, you say B depends on C. Okay, our question is, what about the whole world? As a whole, is it wajibul wujud or is it mumkinul wujud? If you say it's mumkinul wujud, so it means as a whole it depends on something. If you say there is wajibul wujud, then the problem is solved. So, there must be a necessary being that brings other issues into existence. Last week I mentioned something, uh, and I want to repeat because maybe some people uh, were not there. There is a beautiful philosophical point here. For a contingent being, okay, a contingent being, the relation between its essence and existence or non-existence is the same. Okay? Mumkinul wujud, mutasav nisbah ilal wujud wal adam. The relation of a contingent being to existence and non-existence is the same. What does it mean? It means that in its essence, there is nothing to dictate that it must be there. And there is nothing to dictate it must not be there. This is the meaning of mumkinul wujud. Because if it was something that dictates it must not be there, so it could not exist. If there was something that dictates it must be there, so it is necessary. So mumkinul wujud has equal relation with existence and non-existence okay so what is the logical implication of this the logical implication of this is that if it exists there must be an external reason and if it doesn't exist again it's for an external reason because in itself it's equal yeah when something in itself has equal relation with a and non-A. So whether A or non-A exists, there must be for something extra, not something itself, because it has equal relation. Is it clear?
So mumkin al wujud to exist depends on something else, and not to exist also depends on something else. When it exists, it depends on what? On illa, cause. When it doesn't exist, what is the reason? Why mumkin al wujud doesn't exist? Can you explain? For example, here we could have a tree. Why we don't have a tree here? Tree is mumkin al wujud. Yeah? It could exist and it could not exist. Why it doesn't exist? Ah, because the cause for its existence is not there. So, non-existence of the cause is the cause for non-existence. Okay? Non-existence of the cause is the cause for non-existence. Adamul illah illatun la adamil wujud. Okay? Adamul illah illatun la adamil wujud. So, whether they exist or they don't exist, it always is because of something else. If their originating cause is there, they exist. If the originating cause is not there, they cannot exist. So they depend on something else. Okay? There is also something important, although we will later, inshallah, may mention this. But I want also to mention it now quickly because it's very appropriate time. We said all these things that exist apart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are mumkinul wujud. They are contingent. It means that in their essence, in their nature, in their mahiyya, there are different terms that they use for mahiyya. They say essence, they say nature, they say quiddity, they say whatness. So this is a philosophical term. In their essence or nature or mahiyya, there is nothing to say whether they should exist or they should not exist. Okay? Now I have a question for you. When God brings them to existence, so there is a contingent being, and God brings it into existence. Okay? Is this contingent being which is brought into existence a still contingent or it's not anymore contingent? It's still contingent because the essence has not changed. In its essence, it had equal relation to existence and non-existence, and it still has the same situation. Okay? Therefore, when they want to come into existence, they need God. And when they exist also, they need God. This is a false idea that some people think that we need God to bring us into existence. When we come into existence, then we can survive. This is lack of understanding of the nature of contingent being. Because our nature is not changing. We are mumkin al-wujud. Before we exist and after we exist, we are mumkin al-wujud. We are not changing in this aspect. We are not becoming wajib al-wujud. Okay? So, if at the beginning we need God, 
in continuity also we need God. You should not think that our relation with God is like a relation of a builder and building. Some people think that a builder builds a building and then he can die. The building can remain after centuries. Or for example, someone makes a clock, a watch, and after sometimes he dies, but the watch is there. Yes, these are not originating cause. Builder is not an originating cause. Builder is just helping few things come together. But the existence comes not from the builder. Existence comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inshallah, in philosophy you will learn that we call builders, or for example, you know, parents, we call them illate a'idadi. Means they prepare, but the existence does not come from parents. Their existence does not come from builder. Okay? So this is very important. So this is why philosophers say that illa, the cause, is needed hudusan wa baqa'an. In the beginning it is needed and in continuity it's also needed. I give you an example, very simple example. And this example is very helpful and can put you in a position to understand better the relation between cause and effect. In your mind, imagine a rose flower right now. Imagine a rose flower. That image of rose flower, okay, it's your effect. You have brought it into existence. You decided to have that image and that image exists. Okay? Now my question is, does that image exist in continuity without needing you or with needing you? It needs you. You cannot say, I brought it into existence, but then after that it can continue. That image of rose flower in your mind is there because you wanted it, and it will be there as long as you want it, and then same moment that you don't want it, it's not there. Even you don't need to go and remove it or destroy it. Just don't think about it. Don't want it, so it's not there. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want us to be there, he doesn't need to come and fight us or you know, kill us or destroy us. If he doesn't want us, we are not there. Very simple. Okay? So that rose flower depends on you in its beginning and its continuity. Okay? And it's totally dependent on you. Totally dependent on you. And inshallah, you will use this example again in other issues. It's a very helpful example. Okay. Now, we move on to the next section, which is about the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, you remember I said attributes of Allah are very important and when we say God exists we must know what we mean by God 
because if God is thought of a person like a human being or a superhuman being, that is not God. Or if God has, you know, some uh, deficiencies, some imperfection, this is not God. We have to have faith in existence of God, but also we have to have right understanding of God. And actually, it's very difficult for us to have complete, or maybe it's impossible to have you know, complete understanding of God, because God is infinite, it's absolute, it's perfect, and we are not able to contain something which is absolute, which is perfect. We have to be very careful. In the course of history, in different re tra religious traditions, unfortunately, sometimes they have developed some image of God which is like a human being. Because we are human beings, so when we think of God, we think like a human being who is better than us. Like, for example, Amir al-Mu'mini says, if you ask an ant to describe God, the ant may say, God is a giant ant, which has you know, antenna and you know, all these things. So they just try to make it God bigger than themselves. So sometimes we think of God like a human being who gets angry, who laughs, who is tired, who may not remember me, you know, these are, the, or even some people have sometimes come up with some image of God which is physical. You know, even you find in some scriptures, in some religions, God is wrestling with someone. God is wrestling with Jacob. Or for example, uh, you know, God having, you know, a hand or having, you know, leg, so sometimes, unfortunately, this is there. So we have to find the balance. We are not suspending discussion about God. Some people said we cannot know anything about God. We should not discuss about God. We should suspend discussion about God. These are called mu'attila. Mu'attila, they say we should ask for ta'til, means cancellation and suspension of any discussion about God. This is not right. This is one extreme. The other extreme is that we liken God to something physical, a human being or another type of being. The balance is that you try to be very accurate and to refine your understanding of God as much as possible, but still you have to acknowledge that God is greater than what you think. For example, we know that God has power, but we should not think that his power is like our power, which comes with muscles, for example, or is limited, or, you know, we can become tired, for example. Or certain things are more than our power. No. These are imperfections that exist around our experience of power. But God's power is different. Or, for example, we know that God has knowledge. 
God is not ignorant. God is knowledgeable. But you have to be very careful when you think of knowledge of God. Don't think of the knowledge of God like human knowledge. Anything which is in human knowledge and is because of restriction and limitation in our knowledge should be set aside. So when you talk about God's knowledge, God's life, God's power, okay, you should just try to find the core of the concept. And any impurity, any attachments to the core concept should be left aside. Okay? This is why, you know, for example, we may say, Alimun ilmina. He is knowledgeable, but not like our knowledge. He is powerful, but not like our power. He is living, but not like our life. Okay? So you have to always be careful. This is why the Quran says, Subhanallah amma yasifun. Or Subhan Rabbika Rabbil Izzati amma yasifun. Allah is to be glorified with respect to what people describe of him. The only people who are excluded are Ibadallah al-Mukhlasin, those who are purified and they don't describe God in a mistaken way and they know when they have to stop. So there are certain things that they don't talk about it because they know that this, this is beyond their understanding. There is a hadith from Imam Baghir alayhi salam. Which says, Kullama mayyaltumuhu bi'awhamikum fi adaq ma'ani. Whatever you try to articulate with your minds in its most accurate form, Still, it's your creation. It goes back to you. It's not God. Don't think that is God. God is different. God is much greater than what you can think. This is why the Quran says, What does it mean? Ah, there is nothing like God. Or maybe more accurately, there is nothing like like God. Because it doesn't say Laisa Mislahushe. It says Laisa Kamithlihishe. Means there is nothing like like God. Means something like God, okay, can never have any similarity. Nothing similar to something which is like God. Okay? So there is no way to think of something like God. And it's very difficult for us. Normally, whatever we think, it comes in some space. Yeah? It's very difficult for us to imagine something which has no space. Imagine something which has no time. Imagine of something which has no physical appearance. It's very difficult for us. So we have to be very careful. And this needs also exercise. If you study more philosophy, theology, and try to think more, then inshallah your mind will be more tuned towards better understanding of God. Okay. 
before we talk about different qualities of God, we should introduce to you some classifications of divine attributes. A very famous classification is to divide divine attributes into two major groups. and The affirmative qualities of God, which we also call them jamal, the attributes of beauty. And the opposite is negational. We don't say negative. Negative is uh, maybe not properly understood. It's better to say negational. Negational qualities of God. Sefatul salbiya. Or sefatul jalal. Attributes of glory. In contrast to attributes of beauty. Okay? So we have sefat subutiyya or sefat jamal. And we have sifat salbiyya or sifat jalal. At the first group, the first category, sifat al-subutiyya or sifat al-jamal or affirmative attributes are those things that we believe they exist for God. These are attributes of perfection and God has them. Like knowledge, like power, like life, like will, erada. There are certain things that we say God does not have them. We negate. <clears throat> okay? We say they don't exist for God. Because they are matters of imperfection. For example, God is not compound. Doesn't have parts. So... Do you affirm being compound or you reject? You reject. Okay? You say God is not murakkab. is not compound. God does not have a space. God does not have time. God is not visible. Okay? You cannot see God by your physical eyes. So, these are sefate salbiye. You negate. Okay? Why they are called Sefatul Jalal, glory? Because these are signs of imperfection and we should glorify God with respect to them. Say, Subhanallah, God should be glorified to be like this. God is not a compound. God is not visible. God is not limited. Okay? So the reason we call them Sefatul Jalal means God is greater than being compound, than being... I don't know, visible. Okay? But Sefatul Jamal means they are perfection, they are beautiful, so we say God has them. Is it clear? Another classification. <clears throat> this is very important. And this needs your attention. Sefat Zatiye and Sefat Fi'liye. We divide. God's attributes into attributes of essence, sefat and attributes of action, sefat What do they mean? For understanding God's qualities, sometimes you just think of God 
okay? You don't need to consider any creature of God. You just think of God and that's enough to understand. For example, God has power. You reflect on the essence of God and you say this necessary being, this perfect being, this absolute being should have power or should have knowledge or should have life or should have will. Okay? This is Sifat Zatiye. But sometimes in addition to considering God, you have to consider an uh, effect, a creation, a creature, and then you reflect on the relation between God and that creature and come up with an attribute. For example, Khaliq, creator. When can you come up with the concept of creatorship? God is creator. You can understand this concept when you consider God and something which is created by God. Then you reflect on the relation between God and what is created and you abstract the concept of creator. So if there is no makhluk, you don't come up with the concept of khaliq. Okay? So when God is actually khaliq, when there is makhluk, when God creates something, then we say God is khaliq. Yes, the ability to create is always there. But to be actually creator needs to have a creature. Okay? Or for example, God is ghafir, forgiving. When you can come up with the concept of forgiving? When there is someone to be forgiven. Okay? So there must be a sinful person who is going to be forgiven by God. And then we say God is forgiven. Okay? Or for example, razzaq. When is God sustainer? When there is marzuq, when there is someone to sustain. Okay? So, the qualities of essence depend only on our understanding of God's essence. But the qualities of action relate to the relation between God and his creatures. We can only think of them when we think of the relation of God and his creatures. Okay, now very important point. This is very important point. This is the key to understanding many issues in the Quran. And if you misunderstand it, of course, then you don't understand many things properly. A quality of essence is always eternal. Because a quality of essence is only depending on God and it's eternal. Equality of action depends on a relation which has two sides. One is God, one is the creature of God. When does this relation exist? When there is a relation between something which is timeless and something which has timing. When does that relation exist? One side is timeless. Another side has time. The relation also has time. 
okay? Because the relation can be there only both when both sides are there. And because one side is limited, so this relation is limited. Not because God is limited, because the other side is limited. Okay? For example, although God is always there, but I can say God today created this child. God today created this child. God has no time. Why you say God created this child today? God has no time. We say we know that God has no time. But this creatorship of God has two sides. We can only say God has created this child when the child is created. And this child was not created yesterday. So God has created this child today. Okay, do you understand? So this is... The way that sometimes in the Quran or in Hadith, you find something is attributed to God in a time, although God has no time. That is a quality of action. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran sometimes says that, Alema an sayakunu minkum marva. God knew that some of you would be ill. So you will not be able to carry out your responsibility. Okay? You can think of this alema as a quality of essence. Then it would be known to God from eternity. But you can think of this alema as a quality of action. Therefore, it comes to realization when actually someone becomes ill. Okay? When someone is ill, then it is known to God. Was it known to God before he became ill? We say, if you are talking about essential knowledge of God, yes, it was always known to God. But if you are talking about the actual knowledge of God as a sefatifil, when this person was not ill, so he was known not to be ill. So it's impossible to be known that he's ill. And when he becomes ill, it's known that he's ill. When God gives you razzaq, today, it means that today he is your razzaq. If you didn't exist ye yesterday or the day before yesterday, then God was not razzaq with respect to you. So you have to be very careful about this issue. This is not a matter of limiting God. This is a matter of a limited action which is attributed to God. So, although God has no limit, okay, this is a very important point. God has no space, no time. But among the creatures of God, many of them have time and space. Because the divine grace, when it comes to these limited beings, it comes in certain time and space conditions. Think about it, study about it, inshallah we continue. Next week, وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين.